Good evening, listeners, and welcome along to Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 8th of December, 2023. Plenty happening across the Premier County this weekend in the world of sport, and we're going to try our best to preview all of that across the next uh, 50 minutes or so. So we're going to be talking soccer with Barry Ryan. We're going to be looking ahead to this weekend's rugby with Joe Winston from Clonmel Rugby Club. And we're also going to be looking ahead to the county convention, uh, the Tipperary GA County Convention. That's on tomorrow evening. We're going to be talking to Joe Kendi in just a few moments' time. And uh, also towards the end of the show, Barry Drake will be previewing or giving us our weekly Greyhound preview. So just uh, some news before we start today. Earlier in the day, the Harty Cup and Corny Verry draws were made, of course, both the under Munster Under-19A schools hurling and football competitions. In the hurling, Nina CBS and Thurla CBS were in the draw. And Nina CBS will take on CBC Cork uh, in the quarterfinals. And Thurla CBS will meet St. Flannan's College of Ennis. Those games are going to take place on Wednesday, January the 10th. And uh, the other two quarterfinals in the Under-19A hurling is Middleton CBS against Charleville. An all Cork battle there and an all Limerick battle. Art School Reach taking on John the Baptist Community School in hospital. And then the Kearney Worry, the under 19A Munster Schools football competition. Abbey CBS into the uh, quarterfinals. They had a brilliant um, preliminary quarterfinal win during the week and they've been drawn to play Tralee CBS. And uh, that game is going to take place on January the 17th. So, very best of luck to all those. We'll be keeping a keen eye on that uh, come the new year. Uh, elsewhere today, we also had uh, news from Australia. Ashleen McCarthy, of course, uh, who has been plying her trade with the West Coast Eagles down in the AFLW for the last four years. She's signed now with the Fremantle Dockers, so a different team in Perth and a big move there for Ashley McCarthy. So we wish her all the very best of luck. I believe she's been down there six years now. So she's uh, very much a veteran uh, of the AFLW and she's on to her third team now down in Australia. And uh, she was part of a trade with uh, draft picks and all that going in the opposite direction. So um, definitely a player that Fremantle had their eyes on and uh, they've got Ashley McCarthy in their ranks now for next season. So yeah, uh, plenty of sport happening across the weekend, of course, uh, this evening at around half past seven, so just over an hour from now, uh, Clonmel's Shauna O'Keefe will be making her uh, professional boxing debut. So this is a, a, exciting for Shauna O'Keefe. Of course, she won the national championships in the women's, I think, 63 kg uh, back in last January. So now she's moving on to the professional ranks and uh, she's fighting someone who's who Shauna described as a journey woman. I think she's eight wins and around 20 losses, but she's fought the likes of Natasha Jonas and Chantel Cameron, who just fought Katie Taylor uh, last weekend or the weekend before. So that's kind of the calibre um, that she has been in the ring with. So it's going to be a really good test for Shauna O'Keefe. As I said, around half past seven, the link to that fight is on the Tipperary website if you want to tune into that after this show. So yeah, as always in Tipperary, the GA might slow down for a bit, but there's still uh, loads and loads of... Um, sport around the county and even with the GEA we've under 21A uh, county football final on Saturday and under 21B county football final uh, on Sunday and loads of under 17 games as well so uh, sport is always alive here in Tipperary as I say uh, pretty much every Friday and uh, it's a big reason why this show can can go 12 months of the year so uh, without further ado let's look ahead to some of the sport that's happening this weekend and one of the big events is down in the Dome on Saturday uh, in Semple Stadium 6 o'clock start time for the Tipperary GA annual convention so there's going to be motions grades elections uh, everything discussed here uh, on Saturday evening and to talk us through that I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by the outgoing uh, Tipperary GA chairman just kind of entering his last 24 hours now of being the Tipperary GA uh, County Board Chairman. It is Joe Kendi. Joe, you're very welcome back to the show. 
Um, thank you very much, Paul. Delighted to be on. Yeah, Joe, it's good to have you on. I suppose it's uh, probably the last time we'll have you on as County Board Chairman of your term is uh, coming to an end uh, this Saturday, 6 o'clock in the Dome in Semple Stadium is where the County Convention is going on. So it's uh, felt like a, a quick three years, but um, yeah, your, your time is up as County Board Chairman. Just reflect back on it. Uh, how, how have you found uh, serving as the Chairman of the TIP GA? Uh, sure. Um, Paul, it, it's been an honour and a privilege it being a very three years and I suppose as County CCC Chairman uh, for two years before that, so in all, it's been a, a very, um, you know, very busy six years, and um, you know, it's great to get out and meet clubs and try and work with clubs and, and work with the county teams and and all that, you know, and um, <coughs> um, we, you know, it's it is, it's it's been absolutely fantastic. Okay, I suppose there's a lot of challenges involved with the job, but uh, you try and work through those, and you know, great committee behind you and great officers with you, you know, so. Um, it, it, it's it, it's been a fast three, three years, really. Yeah, yeah, and like you, you would know my father, and my father was uh, the Burgess GA chairman, and I know for a fact how how often his phone rang when he was the Burgess chairman. So I can only imagine when you're the the county board chairman. I'd say uh, your phone, your phone's probably non-stop. I'd imagine. Yeah, at times, uh, and look, different times of the year and different times of the week, the, the, there's always issues popping up, and, and um, <clears throat> you know. Uh, uh, their clubs or maybe team managers or, or different people looking for things to be uh, sorted out or whatever and um, issues and so it's very busy and, and uh, you know the phone apart apart from the meetings you know um, at least you know how long a meeting or an idea that a meeting to take but the phone can ring any time from 7 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night so um, you know it is quite busy and um, you know no matter who's involved now the with the with the demands and the ever, ever increasing, uh, I'd say, standards in in the in the GA, mm. um, there's more demands on on players, there's more demands on officers and officials and everything because uh, the standards, everything, and the commitment levels are higher. And uh, if you look back from you know even where club teams were maybe ten or fifteen years ago to where they are now, you know at the top eight or ten club teams in in, in the county. Are probably preparing something like the county teams who are maybe ten to twelve years ago. So it's it, it's it, it, the time demands and the financial demands are are are, are huge in that respect. Yeah, and uh, I suppose that even in looking back in the last three years, it's been a particularly challenging time for plenty of reasons in terms of we had COVID and things like that, and uh, we had championship restructures here in Tipperary in terms of Premier Intermediate coming in, and, and then. You know, we had like unprecedented things last year in terms of uh, the the tragedy of Dylan Quirk's passing and all things like that. So it's been an incredibly uh, challenging uh, three years, I'd imagine, uh, in your term. Yes, I suppose a bit history in the sense that I became the first um, chairman to be elected via Zoom. You know, and um, uh, we we went down to Tanmil with the, the goodwill of the council up at the council, and we used their their um, facilities down there. And there was, I think, maybe ten or twelve was down there. In a huge big room, um, and we 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 conducted the the county convention via via Zoom, and look, thankfully that's all gone. And, and I know it's only three short years ago, but it feels like a lifetime ago. But you know, for the first the first two or three months of, of my of my tenure, it was all Zoom meetings. There was no there was no face to face. The congress was held via Zoom that year, so like I, I think we were into April before we started actually meeting face to face and. The county teams um, start training, back training, and, and getting ready for championship. And 
uh, you know, the, 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 the split season was split that year and we started with inter-county and then on to the, the club scene. And, you know, it was very difficult. And, and I suppose you asked me maybe about the lows and obviously the, the death of Dylan Burke had to be the lowest signed, I suppose, into Bray in a long, long time. Mm. Uh, you know, um, you, you know the, if he had been if he had been ill or if there was any warning but the suddenness of it um, you know and, and to happen then uh, while he was playing for his own club uh, in Temple Stadium made it all all the more you know uh, tough to take on everyone and, and the, the few weeks and obviously the 12 or 18 months that's passed since has, has been um, quite traumatic on everyone Yeah no and that, in fairness Tip GA handled all that as best as I could a very extremely difficult uh, situation I suppose and, and unprecedented in terms of trying to plan or organise uh, how how to respond but um, in fairness to you all it, w- it was very much well handled but across your tenure as well I, there was there was some highs of course we um, haven't reached the highs yet in the in the senior grade since 2019 but uh, the minors is probably um, among some of the highs uh, I'd, I'd imagine anyway not to, not to put words in your mouth or anything Yeah but, uh, which obviously anytime you win not Ireland has to be a high and you know it was fantastic to win that all Ireland and I suppose you know, a lot of people fear that maybe going back to under seventeen and and taking the taking the days away from the All Ireland Senior Hurling, uh, you know, the All Ireland Senior Hurling final and being played uh, in isolation. Mm. But like the, the crowd that was at the match in in, in Nolan Park, and likewise this year in Central Stadium for for um, uh, Clare and Galway, you know, has been fantastic and um, to win in such a cauldron and to, to win in the manner we did, but. That team showed great grit and spirit all year. To, you know, they could have easily have lost even the first day out against Water. They could have lost the Munster final. They could have lost the All Ireland semi final and the All Ireland. But they showed great character and you know there's great leaders in that team. And I hope we we'll see uh, see them coming through to under twenty now in, in the coming year and, and senior in a few years time. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and we even and, saw know, a lot of them for the UL fresher team that won during the week as well. A lot of them involved, so you can already see them kind of progressing up the ranks, which is good as well. Yeah, that's true. And I and I suppose the 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 big thing, you know, when you win an All Ireland minor under twenty final, you know, it's only at that time, and it's what players do after that is is the most important thing. You know, it's fantastic to win an All Ireland minor final or an All Ireland under twenty final, but like there's so much work to integrate those players into a senior squad and with the way the standards have risen inter-county it's, it's, it's very difficult for, for a player to go from um, even from an under-20 team um, I know there's a few around the country that's beyond the under-20 and senior team but they're, they're few and far between now yeah. so once upon a time you could have three or four lads staying in both teams but um, you know the, stand, the, the standard of fitness and preparation and uh, S&C work that's done now it's 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 very hard and that is very well developed and and very advanced to, to play both under 20 and senior so <clears throat> from that point of view the big thing is you know the development of those lads onto the under 20 team and, and it's great to see them on the fresher teams in that because that's where they need to be if they intend to to hurl senior hurling for, for Tipperary in the coming years yeah, very much so. So, um, as as I said, the county co- uh, convention is on uh, Saturday evening, six o'clock. Uh, Jimmy Minogue from the Nina Road Club is the incoming chairman, 
and uh, we have a, an election going to be taking place for the vice chair Mark McLaughlin of Ross Grey and uh, Michael Tierney of Bursalee both going forward for that there's also uh, a Munster Council uh, delegates uh, election as well and a lot of motions that we're going to try to get through but just before we go to the motions just there um, in, in the week it was announced that the uh, the yellow slitters will be uh, the, as, uh, that we see in the inter-county game are going to be in the Tipperary championships from next year so I, I wouldn't see this as a too much of a, a big change or anything. It, it's a big change, I suppose, aesthetically maybe, but it's not going to change yeah. much of the game at all. But it's just something that's going to be different here in the Tipperary Championships next year with a, a yellow slitter being being mandatory for the for all the uh, adult club games, from including minor and upwards. Yeah. Uh, well, as, as I say, quite rightly, we've been using for a number of years now with the, the inter-county squads. And um, I think the under-20s had them last year. So... Uh, you know, I suppose the natural progression is that to be used to, in, in in all matches. Um, <clears throat> the trials were conducted o- over a number of years, and they found that you know it just gave a little bit of be- better visibility. So some people in the beginning thought that the the the, the yellow slitters were were of an, an inferior quality to the the white slitters, mm-hmm. but I, I think uh, after a year or two we used them, I, I'd say in my mind there's no difference. Only the colour, you know, that there's only different colour paint is on them. So um, look, anything that helps to uh, you know, it, it, it obviously helps the players. The, 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 it, it, they're more visible. It helps the referees and the umpires and the linesmen too. You know, it's easier see uh, um, the yellow sitter than, than the white one. So um, hopefully that will lead to more correct decisions um, and less, less debate over maybe sidelines or, or, or scores or whatever um, yeah. and, and to help all round. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just the way they go. It would, it would be going that way and... You know, hopefully to be settled. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't think it's had any kind of change in terms of anything negative in in the intercounty game. So I wouldn't expect anything different in in the club scene anyway. But um, in terms of motions, now we'll, we'll turn our focus to on Saturday. There's, I believe there's fifteen of them in total. Um, a lot of them are referring to the start of the year when you have to name your your eighteen players for the for the leagues and the championships and. You can't uh, use any of those players in the, in the bottom grade. So it just seems like uh, some of these rules are going to be kind of cleaned up a little bit because I, I believe what was happening in plenty of clubs where people could name 15 or 18 players, but they might have some lads there that mightn't be playing this year or whatever, but that they're just naming down. But, but these new kind of motions are trying to have it that the 18 players that you do name had to have featured on the team last year as well. So it's just kind of tidying up uh, with some of those motions. Yeah, I suppose that motion was brought in, um, I think, two years ago. I think we started that because uh, <clears throat> the the problem, I suppose, the, one of the problems the split season presents is that uh, heretofore uh, the grade in Tipperary was done by, on the playing fields. So, th- therefore, you had to start the senior championship first, then the, the intermediate, then the, the, the junior, and, and so forth. Yeah. And uh, so with the split season now that meant that uh, if you continued on that uh, on, on that trajectory you wouldn't have been able to start the junior championships until the senior championship started so to allow the junior cham- junior championship starts early, earlier um, they we brought in the motion that you had to name 18 players so once you had the 18 players named in for your top team and, and your second team then obviously the, the, the junior teams and uh, the junior championship could commence in late May early June and you know, to be a number of rounds of that played ever before the senior championship was played, and so as quite rightly say, some of the things, the, some of the changes there, especially from the county senior, just tidying up things that the the 
the 18 players would have to have played the year before so it just gives um, a bit of clarity in that and then there's there's, there's two they're very similar from Drummond Inch and Capo White uh, <clears throat> looking to reduce that 18 to 15 so it's look it's up to um, the convention to decide that um, you know to, I suppose clubs maybe two or three teams would find that maybe an 18 at the start of the year um, is it, it, difficult enough but then on, on, on the flip side of that maybe the junior clubs would feel that um, if there's only 15 named it, it would be um, it's very hard for them that there could be three, three or four guys and maybe five guys who, who played at higher grades last year playing on the junior team and at such time as the on, on the, at such time as the senior team or the intermediate team in the club uh, 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 plays on yeah, so, it's it's a tough balance. Be yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the debate goes on it. Yeah, and um, one of the ones then as well, I, I suppose, is a is a one that came up during this year in terms of a, a second team getting uh, promoted to the same level as their first team. So we saw Thurles Sarsfields in the Premier Intermediate uh, County Final this year against Lura. They eventually lost after a replay, but. Had Thurlis won against uh, Laura, it might have brought up a bit of issues in terms of what the actual ruling was in terms of can they go up to the, the top yeah. grade. So yeah. a, a motion has been put forward from the CCC to try to kind of clean that up as well. It has. Uh, yeah, quite right. The, um, as I say, Thurlis Harris has won. Um, they, they, they had the option of either remaining in the Premier Intermediate or, or, or going on to senior. And, and there was two issues with that. One of the issues... Um, was that you would have 15 and 17 uh, then in, in the top two grades so to make it difficult for the year after but a number of years ago there was a motion passing uh, at Congress limiting the number of teams participating uh, in a championship to 16 mm. so then you'd have to either look for a derogation of that rule or else you'd have to um, you know maybe hold an EGM or something to to um, to decide who is going to play the 16. So this rule now, uh, or this proposed bylaw, uh, legislates for different scenarios that might happen. Obviously, if the team go up, then who, who's going to who's going to make the the 16? Uh, or uh, if the team go up, it's no problem. But it, it allows them to go up. And if the team if the team decide to stay where they are, then that um, that you maybe the relegated team can come down. And you know, yeah. there's a, a number of different options there. Just kind of puts it down and on, on, puts it all down on on uh, on paper, I suppose, and yes. it cleans it all up, as I said. So, um, a couple of other ones there. Uh, looking down through, we've a, a motion from um, a couple of another two of our motion was regarding to uh, in the intercounty game. There's a, a rule now that all substitutions and temporary substitutions must be from players on the official list submitted to the referee. So they want that to extend to uh, Dan Breen Cup matches and I suppose that maybe stems from their game against Killadangan in, in the championship as well. We mentioned that Drummond Inch uh, Drummond Inch and Kappa White their motion to just bring it down from 18 um, players to 15 when they're filling in. Uh, Rose Green have one in about um, two or more clubs share the same catchment area. A juvenile player having established his first club may only transfer with the agreement of both clubs uh, so yeah. both sign an application form so we kind of see that from year to year transfer rules and things like that often amended Yes uh, and I suppose it's until sometimes that a bylaw or a rule is challenged in a certain way that people see the inadequacies of the rule and obviously um, uh, Rose Green are trying to legislate where there's two clubs in a parish um, uh, that that's what they're they're open to 
to achieving that and, and that's in place in, 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 in some other counties that, that you know maybe in, in large urban areas where there's two or three clubs in the one t- town or, and that that um, you know they're they're trying to to legislate that you know that there's not uh, players over and back between the clubs uh, from time to time that to to, to um, that that once a lad has started juvenile that he basically stay a juvenile to then he's, he's eligible for adults yeah uh, yeah so that's that's what they're trying out there um, we mentioned uh, Toom had one there they also have one going for Congress um, that is that they kind of want to just discontinue. Um, when hurling games that have to result in a, in a penalty shootout, it's probably hard to see that getting passed at Congress because of the split season and things like that. And I, for one, anyway, am a fan of penalties, but uh, that's a, a debate for another day. Nina yeah. has some motions there for Congress as well um, regarding uh, one is regarding the, the hand pass and the introduction of a, a new hand pass rule. I believe it's kind of, a, I believe there was some sort of hand pass rule trialed in the Freshers Hurling League during the year, yeah. but. For me, for, for the hand pass rule, I think that the rule that is there is sufficient in terms of just has to be a clear hand pass, but it's just about about officiating that rule. I, I think the kind of burden on making sure it's a clear hand pass should fall on the player. So if even if you get a legal hand pass off, uh, but if it's not clear distance between the hand and the ball, I think the referee should have good jurisdiction to call it free. But hand passing is one that's been controversial in the last few years, but I just think that if you get rid of hand passing, it's... Uh, it just alters the game too much altogether. So I just think that the rule that's there might just need to be enforced harder, yeah. maybe. Yeah, well, it's a very difficult one because, you know, um, uh, if you're going to introduce a rule, it should improve things rather than disimprove things. And, and I, I think the mean emotion is quite... Um, uh, the mean emotion is quite similar to, to what I believe was, was trial in the Freshers games. Uh, and I... I, I I, I've been of the same opinion as yourself that maybe if the rule that was there was um, implemented uh, more strictly, that that uh, you may not need a rule like this. But like the speed of the game and I suppose the position of the referee, it's very hard for the referee to be in, in full sight of every hand pass, yeah. and uh, you know that's more difficult. I actually think a bigger issue is the number of steps that players are allowed to, permitted to take. You know, uh, it's it's four in the in the rule book, but uh, I'd say. Uh, most most players um, take liberty a lot of the time with with the four steps, uh, and if that was if that was released a bit more, um, it might it might lead to um, players releasing the ball a bit more often, and you, the the number of hand passes might fall as a direct result. But um, anyway, it is, it is, we'll remain to see. And I suppose it's um, Nina had a similar motion last year, and it didn't get through the Tipperary. Um, Convention, but if this this goes to Congress, it provoke a big debate. Yeah, and <laughs> we uh, just the last kind of three we have there. We've uh, one in from Lockmore Castellini just about extending the uh, junior C grade um, into a, a county championship following the divisional round. So interesting to see will that one uh, be passed as well. Golden Kilfiekel have put in a motion just in terms of uh, when two teams are playing against each other with the same colour jersey that the CCC would just do a toss to decide uh, which team wears their first colours and which team will wear their alternate colours. And uh, Carrick Swans have a motion as well. Uh, they want the Under-21 Championship to be earlier in the calendar uh, with a possible switch with the Under-19 Championship. Um, as, and they say will avoid any crossover between Under-17 and Under-19 players as those championships are run concurrently. So that kind of uh, sums up all the motions that are on the uh, the day 
uh, down in Semple Stadium. I'm sure every club will be sending delegates there, so it promises to be a, a busy uh, a busy evening for all in Tipperary GA. But um, that's pretty much it for for now, Joe. I just want to say thanks to you in general for your time you've given me over your over your term as a chairman. My, my first couple of interviews here on Tip FM were probably with you back when I started uh, just over three years ago. So um, my many thanks to you for for all your time, Joe, and we'll be seeing you at matches, I'm sure, for for years to come. You, you most certainly will, and Paul, just to, to thank you and and uh, all in TPFM and the general media for the, the courtesy and, and the promotion um, that you give to our games, and certainly the courtesy to me over over the last number of years. And I, I, you know, it's it's very important to have shows like this just to discuss and, and um, debate topics that happen in the G and that brings a bit of interest in uh, in our games and and uh, you know. The, the more we talk about our games, obviously, the more interest people have in the games and it probably helps attendances as well. So I, I'd like to thank you there and we, we'll certainly see you at matches in, in, in the coming years. Brilliant stuff. Thanks a million, Joe. Thanks, Paul. And County Board Chairman, outgoing County Board Chairman Joe Kendi speaking to us there ahead of tomorrow's Tipperary GA County Board Convention, 6pm start time down in the Dome in Semple Stadium. So now it's time for our first ad break of this evening. We're going to be talking local soccer after these. And you're very welcome back to part two of Across the Line here on Tip FM. Myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 8th of December, 2023. Now we're going to turn our attention to soccer now and plenty of local soccer action over the weekend. We've Munster Junior Cup action and much more to look forward to. And to do that, I'm joined on the line by Barry Ryan, our local soccer analyst. Barry, you're welcome back to the show. How are you, Paul? All good, Barry. Yeah, we're uh, kind of at that stage of the season where there's plenty of cup fixtures in the last couple of weeks and things like that. So a little bit disjointed in terms of a, a run of league games. But if we look ahead to uh, this weekend, it's Munster Junior Cup. We've uh, Saturday Blarney United away to are at home to Clonmel Celtic. Clonmel Celtic away there at two o'clock on Saturday. Then Sunday Peak Villa at home to Ringman Rangers at two o'clock and St Michael's at home to uh, Ashling Anakati. Just your thoughts, uh, General, on on these games. How do you see this, these ones playing out? Yeah, look, I think it'll be business as usual for Peak Villa at home to Ringman. Ringman have a senior team that will play in the intermediate league in Cork. They will be very, very strong. So this will be their second team. Um, and look, to be honest, I would expect Peak Villa to go toe-to-toe with their first team, with Ringman senior team. So especially at home in Thurlis. So look, I think Peak Villa will get the job done. They're, they're flying, um, scoring goals for fun, uh, not giving too many away at the other end. They're looking really, really good. Uh, so I think that would be quite straightforward. Um, Thomas Celtic could be interesting going down to Blarney um, if it was at home I think it's a game I think Thomas Celtic could get through but just in terms of they haven't had those good cup runs in recent years and haven't been challenging to win a TSDL so you know sometimes when you go on the road you're not as battle hardened um, as some of the other teams like Peak Villa and St Michael's at the moment but Thomas Celtic are a very good side and if they have Roy O'Dowd available and Peter O'Dowd and Julian Curtin and Sean Brown and so on um, they're well capable of getting the results on the road down there but it's a game I couldn't call yeah, and Rory O'Dowd, of course. Uh, I'd imagine that's the same Rory O'Dowd for Clamell Commercials, who was uh, uh, very was influential there. And, uh, yeah, and has been around with the Tipperary training squad as well, so I'm not sure what his commitments are at the moment, but he would be integral to Clamell Celtic. And then I suppose, look, the game of the weekend is probably Ashing and a copy against St. Michael's. Um, because I suppose we've kind of all lamented a little bit how dominant Peak Villa and St. Michael's are in the TSGL and wondered, you know, with the challenges that we come as the season progresses, that Shingana Cotty are definitely a side that causes you problems. 
But I just think Jay Michaels will be a little bit too strong, but it'll be a really good, I suppose, idea of exactly where they're at at the moment. Yeah, that's on in Cook Park at 2 o'clock uh, on Sunday there. Uh, we do have uh, one game in the uh, Premier League. This is Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Uh, Care Park hosting Clonmel Town. They would have played each other last weekend uh, in Clonmel. Care Park won that game, but... Care Park in general, like looking at the league table, they they sit in third at the minute, and this has been a really impressive uh, season so far for them. Yeah, look, I suppose we spoke about it during the summer that this was a project for for Care Park with Higgy going in, Christopher Higgins going in um, as a senior player, and look, he, he's kind of hot mark is all over a lot of what they're doing at the moment, um, and they're probably a little bit ahead of schedule in the fact that you know, looking at they're going to challenge so strongly for the top four this season and maybe even the top three. Um, because, you know, it's probably, it's very much a field to start to their project. There's a lot of older players there, John O'Brien and a lot of experience in St. Michael's ex-players. But I suppose the next step is maybe integrating some of their younger players. And, you know, I think they're trying to build a really good culture of how they do things. Um, but I would say, yeah, like in terms of, I wouldn't have, I never worried when I saw their results against St. Michael's and Peak Villa. Because they're not, in the year one in this care project, it was never going to be challenging those two. Um, but if they turn out to be the best of the rest, I think it'll be a, a brilliant season for them. And look, having won 2 nil in the complex, now Clamel will have a couple of bodies back. They didn't have Jack O'Donnell, they didn't have Kieran Looney and a couple of others. But, you know, Kieran will still fancy that home. So, Clamatown, I think, would be delighted if they could go there and take a point. Yeah, and um, I suppose with uh, with Kerr Park, you mentioned if they could be the best of the rest. And that's that's pretty much where they are at the minute. They're in third place, five points ahead of uh, Clamel Town, who are in fourth place. So, it's been uh, very impressive for Kerr Park so far. And uh, there was something on the top of my head there. Yes, uh, you mentioned on Monday night with um, Ronan Quark and Extra Time that Joey Mulcahy was among the goals for, for St. Michael's. He had been away. Had he, is he back there with St. Michael's now? Yeah, so Joey was a bit of like, uh, Joey was kind of coming between Kilkenny work-wise and stuff like that. And in pre-season, it looked like he was going to sign with Evergreen down in Kilkenny. Uh, and then kind of had a change of heart and managed to kind of organise commitments outside of football wise to make it work to commit to St. Michael's again. And that was really, really important to St. Michael's because he was arguably their best player last season. Um, so, you know, to see him kind of back in the mix now, getting a goal for himself, Joey will be a really, really important player for St. Michael's in the coming weeks with his big game experience and stuff like that. And they're such a strong squad at the moment. They're all battling for places, but he's always someone who kind of stands out there. You know, he scored big goals for them and down through the years penalty in an FA Junior Cup final and stuff like that as well so um, he's a player that they'll be really really pleased that he's kind of you know he looks like he's up ahead of steam now and ready for the big run in when we get to January Yeah and just harping back to that FAI Junior Cup he was so he was brilliant in that game a great kind of presence and control there uh, in the sixth position so a player of, of his ilk is a, a huge boost to St. Michael's in general but um, you, you kind of mentioned that the league you kind of mentioned it there as well that the league is kind of a, a bit of a two-horse race at the minute between St. Michael's and Peak Villa. Um, it doesn't really look like that's going to change for, for this season by by any stretch. No, it's definitely not. And look, to be fair, you know, they're two of the best teams in Munster. They're two of the best teams in the country looking at the FBI Junior Cup and what's left and stuff as well. So, look, I suppose we're privileged to have, the, to have them in the TSL the two of them going so well. Uh, I suppose in previous seasons you would have had Thomas Town going well. You might have had Thomas Celtic going well. So, I suppose it's just it's kind of more of a reflection on the others that, you know, they're all in different places. But look, here are building, Thomas Celtic are building, Thomas Town will regroup in the summer. You know, and Forrest probably had a couple of really good seasons, struggling a little bit at the moment, a bit in and out. Um, but look, Big Bill and St. Michael's can only do what they do. Um, and they're just, you know, at the moment, they're both a lot further ahead, they're a lot further down the road than the other side. Yeah, so plenty to look forward to this weekend in terms of local soccer action. Barry Ryan, thanks for joining us on Across the Line. Thanks very much, Paul.
Local soccer analyst Barry Ryan there looking ahead to some of the games that we can look forward to this weekend. So now we're going to take another quick ad break and after the break we're going to be talking local rugby and greyhound racing. And you're very welcome back to part three of Across the Line here on Tip FM. Myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 8th of December, 2023. Now we're going to switch our attention to rugby. And before we talk local rugby, uh, the Munster team was named, of course, today. They're playing Bayonne in their opening uh, Champions Cup game of the season tomorrow, Saturday at half past five in Thoman Park. Uh, the team was announced today. No Dermot Barron in the squad, of course, uh, who's captained uh, Munster the last couple of occasions uh, from New Inn. He has a minor injury, so he misses out uh, on the Champions Cup opener and Brian Gleeson not included in the squad. So uh, disappointing from a Tipperary point of view, maybe. But uh, still, of course, um, Munster at half past five tomorrow. We wish them all the very best of luck. And uh, back to local rugby now in the AIL season is very much in full swing before the Christmas break. We have games on tomorrow and then the following Saturday and then they have a break uh, for a couple of weeks at Christmas. Uh, tomorrow we have two games in Division 2A uh, with Tipperary teams Nina Ormond at home to Grey, Greystones. Uh, They're at the top of the table and in second place is Cashel. They're away to Old Crescent and uh, both of those teams playing each other on Saturday week, so the 16th. So uh, that'll be the last game before the Christmas break. So massive games here in the next uh, eight days for Nina Ormond and Cashel. And uh, we can announce now that now that the Nina Ormond and Cashel game will be live here on Tip FM. So very much looking forward to the coverage of that one. Nina Ormond against Cashel will be live here on Tip FM on Saturday week, December 16th at 2.30pm. But there's also another Tipperary team in the AIL in Division 2C. It's Clonmel Rugby Club. And I'm delighted to say to look ahead to their game this weekend. I'm joined on the line by Clonmel Rugby Manager Joe Winston. Joe, you're very welcome back to the show. Thank you, Paul. Joe, we're uh, approaching the uh, the Christmas break now. Just two more games until the Christmas break. Uh, you're on the road this weekend down in Cork playing Middleton. But just before we talk about that game, we'll reflect back on last weekend. Uh, it was a loss to Tullamore. And I, I'd imagine just the way the game played out, you were leading for large parts of that game. It was uh, probably a tough loss to take for a finish. It was very, it was very tough um, because we'd been in control of the game for maybe 50 minutes. And... For some reason, we just seemed to switch off. Uh, we probably p- played our best rugby of the season in those first 50 minutes. Um, our other, maybe you might call it an excuse, is our team is still quite new to one another and, and quite young. And they're having to get the experience, or they're learning the hard way, the experience of holding on to a lead. Yeah, and it, it's, uh, as you said there, it's come the hard way, but... The last couple of games, or last three games in particular, it's been very high scoring on year end. Twenty seven points, twenty seven points, and thirty seven points uh, about a month ago at this stage in the yeah. in last three games. So there's definitely a lot of attacking ability in the squad. Yeah, uh, as I say, I think we've taken the lead in nearly every game we've played this season. Uh, but it's a case of holding on to it, which seems to be our problem at the moment. Uh, as I say, inexperienced because we have a number of players who are maybe eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Uh, and they're all new. They're coming straight into adult rugby at uh, senior level. Whereas before, when you'd be a junior club, you know you'd have time to bed in and everything. Whereas now, you don't have that option. You have to get get in and get stuck into it. Yeah, and uh, as as you said, like it's a long season, but the games actually come fairly thick and fast. Usually in in three four game. Uh, kind of yeah. windows and it is a quick turnaround to go again on the road again uh, this Saturday but 
how do you kind of manage the the in season bit between games? Because I'd imagine, like you know, come a Tuesday night or whenever you train after a game on a Saturday, that there is tired bodies. So it's probably a difficult enough kind of thing to manage from a from a management personnel side of things. Yeah, a lot of it will be down to pre season, making sure you're getting fit at the start of the season, and then kind of just going through routines. Normally Tuesday. You start with a video review of the game to point out where you did well, where you didn't do so well, um, which has been a, it's a great uh, benefit to the players to see what they could have done better or to compliment them on what they did well. Um, but we'll have to break now over Christmas, but there will still be training over the Christmas because you've got to keep it. You know, you can't just stop. Yeah. Yeah, and, and how what have you found from the, the video analysis? Is there anything in particular that you kind of look at and think, right, that's something we definitely need to, to improve on? Uh, yeah, there's a number of things. like this. It concentrate probably more on defence, on your spacings, and looking up and seeing what's happening on the opposition side to try and figure out what they're up to and get your, as I say, get your defence in place. Um, normally our, our defence isn't too bad, but again, as I say, it's a fairly new team. Mm. Uh, this season so lads are having to get used to one another instinctively know where the other their teammate is and go from there yeah and like just looking at, 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 at a wider kind of point of view um, was it Munster were playing a couple of weeks ago I can't remember was it the Leinster game or not but no it wasn't it was uh, Ulster I think it was where Munster were kind of completely destroyed in the mall and that was a real issue in that game but when it comes to something like that, how do you kind of work on if you were if you were poor in the mall or that kind of thing in the pack? Is how is that something you can you can work on it in in season? Shall we say? Uh, well, you, in training you get the it's it's about getting your body height right, and it, sometimes maybe the boys aren't aware that they're maybe standing up a little bit too high that they've got to bend at the hips a little bit more, um, and it's point that out to them and get them used to it. So you know it becomes the norm to go in at a certain angle um, and it's just keep doing it keep doing it keep doing doing it until it comes naturally to them that they don't even think about it they just do it yeah and, and there's, there's there's so much technique in, in rugby that I, th- I think just oh, yeah. kind of looking from the outside it, it's easily easily uh, kind of missable from, from the naked eye but yeah so much technique goes into it but this Saturday now you're away to Middleton uh, they're coming off a loss themselves to Ennis Carthy so both teams yeah. looking to bounce back from a win but I suppose you, you went down here was it the last game of the season the last uh, game of last season uh, yeah, last but, year and you were beaten yeah. which meant you missed out on the, the playoffs so I'm sure there's the playoffs. there's a bit of uh, hurt probably going down on the bus to Middleton uh, this, this uh, Saturday <laughs> yeah Carmelo was uh, with a history going back to junior Days with Middleton when they were still in the in the junior leagues, uh, so it's always nice to win down there. Um, funny enough, now we're drawn drawn against them in the Munster Junior Cup in January, which has uh, given me flashbacks to 30, 40 years ago. But um, no, we at the end of last season now we had a lot of injuries and lads missing, so um, we won't let that factor in too much. I think we feel the sooner or later we're going to click. And uh, as I say, we almost did, we did up to a point last week. Uh, as I say, that first 50 minutes was probably our best rugby of the season. But we need to keep it going for 80 minutes. Uh, so we go down and we give it a go down there. Um, Middleton aren't that far behind us in the table, so they'll be looking for, the, for a home win as well. 
Yeah, but, uh, it's it's kind of like the, the way the league the the league is st- structuring up at the minute. I believe you're in fifth, but there's a kind of yeah. a gap between fifth and fourth. So it's a, it's important to start racking up these points to not make yeah. that gap uh, widen any further. Yes, ten points at the moment up to prof, and we know this is where we were so disappointed last week that we could have you know kept the gap down to the seven points and um, keep aiming. We're still aiming to get into the top four, but we just, as I say, we just need to get a run of consistent or a consistent run going, uh, and then we can be challenging something to aim for for the season. Yeah, so hopefully hopefully that comes at half past two. Well, maybe about half past four by the time finishes up yeah. on, on Saturday <laughs> yeah. afternoon. Joe, I'll be keeping an eye on yeah. it. And uh, best Lovely. of luck to you on Saturday. Thanks very much, Paul. Take care. Joe Winston there from the Clonmel Rugby Club ahead of their game tomorrow afternoon against Middleton. Now our attention at this time of every Friday evening, of course, turns to Greyhound Racing. And here with our Greyhound Racing update is Barry Drake. Tip FM's Greyhound Update in association with Greyhound Racing Ireland because this runs deep. There's another really exciting weekend of Greyhound Racing with so much to look forward to over the course of the weekend. But firstly, looking back on another highly successful winter racing festival from Shelburne Park last weekend, there was plenty to shout about uh, from Tipperary trainers, of course. Uh, Massive crowd in attendance there in Shelburne Park on both nights, in particular uh, for the big night there on Saturday night and the Winter Racing Festival Championship 525 10,000 jurors to the winner of course was won by trap number one High Trend of course who was a recent winner of the Lawrence Classic below in Curraheen Park in Cork uh, trained by champion trainer Graham Holland in gold in the Tipperary High Trend was sent off the well backed 7-4 favourite and he delivered a stunning 28-16 winning performance Graham Holland uh, was also on the mark in the Winter Racing Festival Championship 750 when 8-1 outsider Carfini Blaze um, stole the show here with a 41-23 winning performance, uh, winning there comfortably in the end. Elsewhere, of course, in the uh, big races, another holiday won the Winter Racing Festival Championship 550 for Tipperary trainer Michael O'Donovan. 29-48 on the clock, sent off a big outsider there at odds of 12-1. to Tipperary trainers um, certainly had a night to remember because in race number 11, the Winter Racing Festival Championship 6, 600. Ben's Teddy won here for Kappa White trainer uh, Pat Buckley just one spot off the track record when delivered a stunning 31-92 winning run sent off the 6-4 favourite and finally in the closing race another Tipperary trainer Patrick Gilfoyle uh, took the closing race in the card with Music Glideaway who was a most impressive winner clocking 30-69 at odds of 7-1 Switching our attentions to this weekend's racing action, uh, we'll start with Clonmel on Friday night. Of course, that is tonight. Um, some good racing action to look forward to at the local Clonmel Greyhound Stadium uh, with action getting underway there at 7.30. One to keep an eye on tonight there down there at the um, Clonmel Greyhound Stadium. Uh, we're switching our attentions um, to a race later on in the card 
and that of course is race number eight it's an a3 contest here and uh, one that caught my eye um last time out is certainly a greyhound that i think is on an upward curve and um, that of course is trap number two a mahogany swift who was um out of luck but did show plenty of pace in defeat and i think a big run is on the card there keep an eye on wilderness dream as well uh, for declan drohan uh, both of them expected to battle it out um, and should be in the mix Tivoli Sophie is another one that could improve for the step up and trip for James Kennedy but that's tonight's racing action uh, below there in Clonmel and switching our attentions to Turles on Saturday night more good racing at the Turles Greyhound Stadium and all gets underway there at around 7.35 looking ahead to the closing race on the card of course we previewed this last weekend but it didn't go ahead and um, we thought the trap number one Astro Bale might be good enough to get the job done there for Shane McCormick. Obvious danger in three groups there. Seeker uh, for David Hanley. Back to Clanmel, of course, on Sunday night. More good racing action uh, to look forward to there in Clanmel. All getting underway there at 7.30. Some really good sorts um, in action. It really is um, a, a top-class de- car there. Miss Mini Rose should go well in race number five. That's the Freddie and Timmy Campion Memorial Guys and Dolls uh, stake there. Nice performance last time to win in 28.90. A repeat of that uh, should make it very difficult to beat. While down in the Kingdom at Greyhound Stadium tonight, all eyes, of course, on the racing in Tralee over the course of the next uh, couple of weeks. Always a, a great event, um, the Eric Brown Memorial Kingdom Derby, of course, 5,000 jurors to the winner. Uh, Pat Buckley represented with Bobsleigh Sid there in the opening. Uh, he, he should go well, but keep an eye on Benny Walt, who will be sent off favourite there uh, to land the spoils in that one. In other heats, uh, switching our attentions to the final heat, Pat Buckley represented with Road Exile. That's a leading player, should go very well. But the lady there running from trap number three will be the anti-post favourite for outright glory. That one, of course, trained by uh, Liam Dowling, the local trainer, who has a very, very strong hand for that competition. So as I said, all eyes on the uh, Kingdom Derby down there in Tralee over the course of the next uh, couple of weeks. But plenty of action as well on the local front in Brook, Clanmel and Turles this weekend. And with many thanks to Barry Drake there for giving us a comprehensive rundown on all things happening in the world of greyhound racing, both here in Tipperary and on the national level as well. So that's pretty much going to do it for this week's edition of the show. If you want to listen back to the show, uh, we talked with Joe Kendi about the county board convention tomorrow. We looked ahead to the local soccer with Barry Ryan and local rugby with Joe Winston. And of course, Barry Drake there looking ahead to the greyhound racing and more throughout the show. So if you want to listen back, it will be on the Tip FM SoundCloud within the next half an hour. Check out the Tip FM website there for the link to that or go over straight to the SoundCloud. So that's going to do it for this week's show. Carol Power is on after the news. I'll be back for next Friday's edition of Across the Line. So until then, have a good week and we'll talk to you next Friday. Bye for now.